Hello, Husky Nation, and welcome to Sports Illustrated's Husky Maven channel. I am Mike Martin, and today we have the Mike and Mike show. I have with yeah. me, <laughs> I have with me Mike Yam, uh, who was a big part of college football on the West Coast for a very long time. Always love tuning in and checking out what you had to say, Mike, about what's going on with with college football in the uh, on the West Coast in the Pac-12. But why don't you give us an update of, of what you're doing these days? Yeah, you know, still not far from the conference. They 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 really really have to kick me out uh, for me not to cover the league. But I've been working with SiriusXM on Pac-12 Radio, uh, working with my good old buddy Rick Neuheisel occasionally over on ESPNU Radio. Uh, have dabbled on the NFL side, working with Intel Sports, and at the end of October we'll be doing some work with NFL Network. So staying busy, keeping the fingers crossed, more work is coming. But I've been really really fortunate. But I think the biggest question, Mike, that I have for you is that helmet is that signed by Lincoln Kennedy? That's the only thing I want to know in this interview. Uh, no, actually, this helmet right okay. here, that is signed by uh, Chris Peterson, Steve Sarkeesian, and Jim Lambright. So, Whoa, okay, all... so you've one-upped it. That's nice. <laughs> Lincoln's a good guy. I know Lincoln, but um, no, I, I, I would love to get some stuff uh, signed by him. Um, there was a – I don't know if you remember back, probably maybe you weren't even born yet, but um, when he <laughs> signed at UW, they have a picture of Lincoln standing in a doorway, taking up the entire doorway, and underneath his arm was Don James. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds sounds about right. Link is awesome. You know, it's funny because he's such a mammoth human being. I remember him telling me before I met his son, Zach Banner, that Zach was bigger than him. And I was like, there's no way. And then I was down in Los Angeles for Pac-12 Media Day a few years ago, and they're sitting outside the hotel, and they both stand up. And I looked at them, and I said, Link, you're right. Zach's bigger than you, and I didn't think that was possible. So, uh, But that's awesome. CP, by the way, one of the greatest greatest, greatest dudes of all time. So I'm glad uh, that Hellman's got his uh, John Hancock on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I want to jump kind of right into talking sure. about what I think everybody is wanting to know, uh, a bunch of questions that I thought, who better to do it than Mike Yam? Um, how badly do you think the brand of the Pac-12 has been damaged, not just financially uh, or from the fans' perspective, because I think that there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of shade being thrown Larry Scott's way, but for the conference on a national scale, what do you think the damage is? Yeah, Mike, you know, I, I mean, I think this is a question that's been raised over the years, and rightfully so from a perspective of of not winning national championships. We haven't seen it in basketball for a while. It's been, you know, a really long period of time since we've seen it in college football. Um, in fact, Washington, the last team to, to make the college football playoff, which was an awesome experience for me to cover that game and, and be with that team. But, um, you know, it's unfortunate because, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's all about winning, right? And if you're not winning, it's it's hard to claim that you're the best conference. That said, you know, this league, if they don't play um, and they're not included, and I look, I don't think the vote that we're going to see from the CEOs on Thursday is going to say that they're not going to play in 2020. I do think they, they go ahead and play, but the timing of it, I think is going to be really interesting. And then how many games are we going to get? Because your inclusion in the CFP is part of that narrative that's out there. And it's unfortunate because a year ago, you know, when Utah was rolling, their defense was historically great. 
and and yet people were fighting them nationally. You know, Paul Feinbaum going on air saying that they don't belong and, and the whole thing. You know, and granted, like, you know, they didn't make it. But, you know, I look at a team like Oregon that's had success. Like, these teams have to win. And I think no matter what happens off the field, off the court, you know, the, the reputation of the league is going to come down to one thing, and that's national championships. And as long as the league wins a couple of those, um, or at least one of those, I think it completely flips the script. And, and you brought up a great point about games um, to get a seat at that table of yeah. uh, the college football playoffs. Um, is six games enough? Is seven games enough? How many games do they play? Yeah. Uh, look, I don't, I, Mike, I don't, I don't think six is enough here. And I would love to see them play it at least seven games. I would love for it to happen on Halloween and not go until November 7th. I, I think, I mean, if you take a macro view here and you step back, I remember maybe two months ago, Dabo Sweeney came out and said, look, I don't want to wait for the Big Ten to go and play. And I don't blame him. I wouldn't want, you know, the likes of Ohio State to be in the mix as well. I understand that. But I think someone from, uh, whether it's Larry Scott, the athletic directors, the head coaches in this conference have to be really, really vocal. I think that's meaning every radio show, every television interview, every writer that you can talk to, pounding the paint that for the good of the sport in a global pandemic season, that if you can push the CFP a couple weeks, why wouldn't you do that? It, it, it's fair to everyone. Um, so I look the, the pressure on December 19th to play the seven games and get a, a championship in there. I would love for them to push the CFP a couple of weeks to allow some sort of equity here because there's no guarantee, you know, Mike, at this point that, that these other conferences are going to be able to even play the amount of games that they want to play right now. We're seeing cancellations and postponements around the country for college football games. So I think it just makes sense for the CFP to get moved. Um, and I, I just think there needs to be a lot of campaigning behind the scenes and in front of the camera as well to try to get that to, to actually happen. But six games is not going to get it done. That's not, look, they've already talked about it. It's not enough data points for the conference, um, which is a shame because I would make the argument that in years where it's a normal season, playing an extra conference game compared to the SEC, that's an added data point that doesn't seem to really help the Pac-12 conference. So call a spade a spade here. Um, you know, I, it's a little frustrating to hear it, but if there's a difference between two games if another team is playing two extra games compared to the Pac-12, I would vote for the other team as well. I mean, I just, I don't think that would necessarily be the most fair thing. I would love to see fairness across the board and everyone playing the same amount of games, uh, conference and non-league games moving forward. But that's a conversation I think, Mike, for another another time when I join you. Yeah, we want to keep this down to about 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. um, well, now, I go 20 minutes on that topic alone. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, now, I, but you do bring up a great point. Um, do you think that this might be a good time to reset the college football playoff picture, expand it to eight, eight teams or, or, or more yeah. than that? Um, you, know, is this, you know, is this the catalyst for change? I don't think we're going to see change here. I think there's too much money involved in those television contracts. But, man, if you told me that I'm the, the college football czar, hell, yeah, we're changing it. Hell, yeah, we're adding more teams into the college football playoff. Based off of, look, in, in, a, in times like this when you're dealing with so much uncertainty, you're dealing with a global pandemic, changes across the board, people needing to be flexible. This is a time to get creative. This is a time to go out there and, and see what you can do differently. Why not see what happens, especially this year? Everyone understands it's a one-off. Hell, college basketball, we're talking about having everyone included, right, in, into a, an NCAA tournament 
type of deal, why not expand it? And I, look, I'm a champion for expanding the, the, the playoff. You got five power five conferences, usually have a really talented G5 team as well. Why not expand it? Why are we cutting this down to four teams only? So in a year where there's so much um, uncertainty, you, it's going to be so hard. For, the committee already has a tough enough job, Mike, already. But in a year where it's going to be really hard without non-conference games, without the same amount of league games to really understand the strengths and weaknesses of a lot of these teams. Like, how are you really going to find the four best teams? I think that's going to be a really hard task, harder than normal. So I would love for them to expand it. I just, you know, at this point, I just don't think we're going to see that, unfortunately, until that CFP contract is, is up and over. And then we can expand this thing. All right. Well, you know, you, you brought up a good point, pushing things back. Um, does this impact spring does it push the calendar uh you know back in spring just a little bit you know i think if they go ahead as planned which is an october 31st deal with a championship game on december 19th and then we're talking about the cfp as normally planned i actually don't think we see changes in the spring schedule i still am wondering and Mike, I haven't seen enough of this, but I do know locally in certain states, now I live in California, but in some states, high school football has been pushed back and, and they're not allowed to play. I do think that there needs to be some sort of addressing of the recruiting calendar, right? Like, so December 18th, we have early signing day period, but you know, there's a world in which a lot of these kids that are playing high school ball haven't actually played a snap of, of their senior seasons. And then we're talking about them having to go and pick a college and coaches that need to go and, and figure out, um, you know, if they're a good fit for their program as well and trying to assess some of these kids. So to me, spring ball, based off of what I've seen so far, less concerned about the timeline. They're more concerned about what happens with the recruiting cycle. That, that's a great point because there are a lot of under-the-radar under the kids. I don't know if you've seen what Tracy Ford is doing up in Seattle at Ford Sports Performance. They're putting together an all-star weekend where they're getting 112 of the top players from Oregon and Washington and putting wow. on a, an all-star weekend. And it's, it's a great great way to get some of these under the radar kids because in, in Washington, Oregon, you, when you get down into the twenties, it's not like California where you're still into the four star kids. So, you know, this is a great opportunity for kids like that. And you bring up the recruiting calendar where, uh, you know, these kids aren't going to be playing till March anyway, here in the state of Washington. Uh, that is, I think uh, a great thing that, that, uh, really should be addressed. Um, yeah, it's got to be. It has on to. a national scale, and, and, you know, it can't yeah. really be done regionally because then the focus goes over to, oh, let's, you know, watching all the big guys go back to the East. So, um, yeah. Yeah. but now the, with what has happened in the NFL over the last uh, week, really, we've seen a rash of injuries. Um, do you think that that really kind of, moves the timeline from the 31st to the 7th, give the extra week in there to get bodies right. Um, you know, where does that kind of align with things, do you think? It's a great question because I think if you and I were having this conversation a week ago, we're not referencing the amount of time that it takes to get ready for the upcoming season. It's hard after week number two of the NFL season to not think that there's a correlation between no preseason 
and some of those soft tissue injuries. I mean, I'm talking about Achilles, the ankle injuries, the knee injuries that we're seeing. I mean, I, and it's star players. So I think there's no doubt some concern that's there. But it's funny because I've talked to players in the league. They'll tell you four weeks. I've talked to former coaches. They'll say four weeks. Then I'm seeing these reports like Bruce Feldman from The Athletic had the story, an unnamed coach talking about, hey, we need six weeks in order to get ready. Herm Edwards, I saw an interview from him earlier this week. He said five to six weeks. So, you know, it's hard. Um, you know, like I said, Kyle Whittingham, he'll tell you, look, I'm ready to play tomorrow um, <laughs> at this point. So, you know, I, I think it really depends on the coach, but there's no doubt the, the, the feedback from coaches to their ADs, to their school presidents, is they're getting ready for this vote tomorrow. They're going to consider, I don't know if it's an NFL thing, but they're going to listen to their coaches that are concerned that they haven't had enough proper time to prepare. Um, and if, if indeed, in fact, the conference cares about the health and well-being, which I do think they do. I don't think you make this decision to postpone the football season and punt on hundreds of millions of dollars for the league because you're, you're not trying to keep these kids safe. So if that's the case, I do think they'll act responsibly. The league will, um, in, in that regard. So to me, I, I, you know, it's hard. I, I didn't play. I didn't coach. I can only listen to the people who have. And even those are mixed messages. Four to six weeks is generally that sweet spot. So maybe we net out at five, but you know, at five weeks, I don't know if that gets us depending on when they say we can start. Um, I don't know if that gets us to an October 31st start. Okay, and one final question for you. Sure. Uh, some players have declared already for the NFL. Um, with the way things are going, do you see a path where guys like Joe Tryon and Levi Onzerike could come back? And I know Joe Tryon has actually contacted an agent, but do you see the ability of or a path forward for them to return to uh, the college gridiron? It is a great question, and I feel awful for the kids who have transferred after they were told, hey, we're not playing until 2021. They found new homes, and they're now playing with new teams. And that's not easy because, look, I, we are all in college. We understand sort of the, the human aspect of that. That's not an easy decision to go and make, and then just sort of the life aspect of it as well. So I, I do have a, a sensitivity to that. That said – how do you not let these kids either pay back any benefits that they got from these agents or from whoever and allow them to come back to school if they want? You can't go and tell someone, hey, we're not playing until 2021. You know, the season that always happens on time every single year, it's not happening that way anymore. These guys opted out. So why wouldn't you let them opt back in? I, I absolutely think that they should be allowed to as long as, you know, there's some sort of uh, protocol that that is put forward. But uh, I, you know, to be honest with you, Mike, I don't think they do. I think when you're, you know, a 19, 20, 21 year old kid and you've mentally flipped the switch to go be a pro, I don't think you flip the switch back um, and decide to go back to school. I think generally speaking, especially the kids who decided, you know, the Michael Parsons of the world from Penn State, you know, they decided weeks and months ago, no chance that those guys come back. The ones who just decided to opt out, maybe there's a chance there, but I, I think even if the NCAA, came up with some sort of rules to allow them to opt back in, I think that number would be pretty small. That's true. Well, um, you know, I, I can't I thank you enough for coming sure. on to Sports Illustrated uh, Husky Maven channel. Um, where can people follow you on uh, social media? And tell us again about the shows that they can check out. Sure. Uh, 
on Twitter at Mike underscore Yam. That's the same for Instagram. Uh, Facebook is just Mike Yam and Sirius Radio uh, still hopping on the Pac-12 uh, channel, Pac-12 Radio, which is channel 373 during the week, filling in with my guy, New Heisel, uh, occasionally on ESPNU Radio and then uh, NFL Network at the end of October. Very good. Well, thank you very much for coming on. And usually we say with our guests, go dogs, but uh, let's just say go football. <laughs> I love all 12. Oh yeah. Let's just get some games going. I, I'll, yeah. I can, I can get behind that. Oh yeah. 